Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So often when I'm putting together a service and um, I know some of my colleagues um, wait till the very last minute to have everything uh, planned out and they're usually handing the order of service to uh, the people that are leading um, as they come in to the church on a Sunday. Um, and I'm not saying this there's any right or wrong way to, to do things. I'm not criticizing anybody. Um, and I'm also not looking to puff myself up, but I like to get it to the people that need to know at least by Tuesday. So everybody has it at the beginning of the week and they're able to prepare themselves for it. Now, more often than not, when you do that and you're reading the scriptures and you know, you're spending time in prayer, uh, God will prompt you to, to, uh, to do other things. So while the, the reading that, that Morag uh, read out for us um, is half of what I'm going to be preaching on today, um, I felt called this week to not ignore the end of where we were last week and into where we are this week. So, so there'll be a few other verses that, that we're going to be looking at before we get to what Morag read out. And the thing is, we've probably all heard the phrase, um, you know, a, a picture paints a, a, a thousand words. Now, I wish that that was literally true, and I could have painted 10 pictures rather than have to write a dissertation when I was at university. However, it's not literally true, but the essence of it is that an illustration or can, can speak volumes, and Jesus um, is an absolute master of taking a, a story or an illustration and being able to bring across these amazing and um, powerful things for us to take on board. Deeply serious statements about life and, and how to live in the kingdom. So in our passages this morning, um, we find Jesus at his most... Uh, creative. And the thing is, they're, they're typically meant to, to be funny, probably in a, in a kind of Jewish, dry sense of humor. They're meant to be ridiculous, but that's to get your, get your attention. So the Bible's full of that, if we know how to recognize it, that there are things in here that are meant to catch us because they are ridiculous and they make us think. But these little things that Jesus talks about are incredibly serious. The points that he's trying to make are incredibly serious. So there are four things that we're going to look at this morning. They teach important lessons of uh, ministry, not just for ordained ministers, but for everyone. Um, Jesus was intending everyone to remember these lessons that he's teaching. And each of them warn against rival teachings 
and rival views of the kingdom of God. So while they apply to uh, those that were living in Jesus' day, they still apply to us today, especially when we come up against some of today's theories um, about what human life should be like and how we should uh, live our lives. And sometimes, well, it seems like they're becoming wilder and wilder as each day and, and week goes on, all claiming to bring happiness. But when you look out into the world, we see that there are so many more broken people uh, as we move further and further away from Jesus and his teachings. You know, the, We're going to go back to verse 39, where Jesus is continuing to uh, speak in parable. Um, he talks about the, the blind leading the blind. So in verse 39, he says, He also told them a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both of them fall into a pit? Jesus is saying, beware of the other teachings that are going on. They're offering you guidance, but will in fact find yourself into that metaphorical ditch. You're moving further and further away from God's plan and his kingdom. And the thing is, you know, as a I look up the back and I can see a wonderful uh, guide dog in training. Uh, I'm aware that um, there are many uh, blind people who have a, have a great sense of direction and a uh, sense of um, being able to move around. And I don't want to sound insensitive, but I don't think that many of us would rely on them um, if we were asked to get into the passenger seat of a car, a fast car with them. Because everybody has their limitations. And I'm not saying that to sound, sound insensitive, it's just the way things are. We might not come out of it in a very, very good way. Jesus is referring to the Pharisees, though, the spiritually blind, that they are, they are leading people down a, a, a dark path towards that metaphorical pit. They're leading people astray. And the thing is, we might see ourselves as being uh, great guides in, in different aspects of our life. Um, we might think that we, we know it all um, to the point where we don't actually realize our own blindness, that there are times that there are things that we just don't know. And there are things that we're, we're maybe not seeing that we're, that, that we're not actually grasping and we, we're leading people into that kind of metaphorical ditch. And he continues on and he says in verse 40, a disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Jesus is making this point that, that students can't go any further than what they're taught. If they only listen to their teacher, they can't go any further. Than they're being taught. And Jesus is also saying there's no point in studying under the, under the Pharisees because that only gets you to be a Pharisee. That's only where it's going to take you. They're only going to teach you to a certain point. You can't go any further than that. Jesus is challenging people to kind of break out of this pattern of only listening to the Pharisees, but to listen to him as he's opening up this new this new way 
towards God and this, this being able to live in the kingdom right here and now. And the thing is, this verse, verse 40, is a reminder to us that, that we can't lead others to where we've not been ourselves. So if we want to lead people to Jesus, then we need to have been led by Jesus. Then we need to make sure that Jesus is central in our life, that we're able to lead people to that place. And it's in, in those times where, we, where we're striving to be more like Jesus that that's when we start to understand our limitations and the things that we still have to learn because no one has it all figured out. Even people who wear these. It's when we start to understand that there's still so much more to experience and learn from our Lord Jesus. And that's another thing that Jesus is trying to warn people against is that pride of thinking that you know it all. You don't need to learn anymore. Learn it all. And the thing is, the Pharisees who are his target are incredibly guilty of thinking they know it all. They know the things that they've introduced. They're probably more guilty than any other of, of the sin of pride. So these sort of first two short verses are calling us to make sure that we are actually following the, the, the right teachers and the right teaching. Because we can only go as far as the person that's teaching us. And equally, we have to be on the lookout for leaders who will show us more about faith that are opening that up to us. Those whose guidance we can trust and we can follow. And that's an incredible burden for, for those who are, are called to that. And I know that as I've dedicated my life to it, that it's an incredible burden, but what a privilege. What a privilege and a blessing. But as I follow Jesus, I hope that others will see me as someone who is doing that. That they're able to see it in my life. That, that it's not just something that I'm telling you to do. But it's actually something that, that I take seriously and are, are doing it myself. And in the hope that you might trust my guidance and my teaching. Not because it's me, but because of the one who I follow and the one that I'm hopefully leading you and pointing you towards. You know, a few years ago, I was criticized by some people who, who said I spoke about Jesus too much. And I remember being... At first, I was quite upset. They were unwilling to listen to me because I spoke about Jesus too much. I don't know who they thought I was going to be speaking about, but, but they criticized me about speaking about Jesus too much. And I won't ever apologize for that. I won't ever apologize for that. And if that's the major criticism of me, and believe me, there are many other things that you could criticize me for, but if that's the major one, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, because I'm pretty sure that when I meet Jesus face to face, he's not going to criticize me for speaking about him too much. We move on. That was just an aside, but we move on. In verses 41 and 42, 
He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out that speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. This riddle of this speck of dust that seems to be in someone else's eye while we've got this log in our eye. Again, it's meant to be ridiculous, but it's emphasizing an incredibly important point. As with the that the blind leading the blind in the previous part, Jesus is saying, can you clearly see your own life before you start picking apart someone else's? Are you able to look into your own life and be content with it before you start picking holes in someone else's? And the thing is, what people criticize in others usually is something that they're afraid of or something that that they're afraid of they might be doing too. They might try and be masking it. You know, this speck in someone else's eye and the plank in our own is a, a classic case of projection, is what a psychologist would say. You're projecting your stuff uh, onto someone else. You know, the person knows that there's something seriously wrong in their uh, life, and they are looking to project it onto someone else. You know, we've probably all been guilty of, of that at times where we might um, start to think to ourselves, well, the thing that I did wasn't as bad as what they did. That doesn't make the thing that you did okay or good just because you're trying to highlight someone else's flaws. That doesn't make it okay. But the thing is, the rival teachers in Jesus' day were so guilty of doing these things to guilt people into doing certain things, redirecting them away from him. There's so many rules and regulations that they were trying to stay obedient to the law that they started to institute all of these things that people had to follow to make sure that they'd done it, but they were missing out on what God had actually called them to do. They were so focused on this these rules and regulations that they had created and criticized others when they weren't following them, that they'd forgotten that the nation of Israel was to be a light to the nations. They were trying to keep themselves separate, their own little club. And they'd missed out on what they were meant to do, which was to show God's love and light out into the world by being his chosen people. They started hunting around for specks in other people's eyes rather than seeing this huge log that was, that was in theirs, the, the law and the regulations that they'd created, that they start to disobey God. You know, this picture continues to be relevant to this very day where there are many, many churches who make a huge fuss over certain things that they miss out on the actual purpose of the church. It does, it happens all the time. 
that they miss out on the main point of the gospel. To go and to share Jesus with people. Go out and talk about him too much. Be criticized for talking about him too much. To go and baptize and bring people to Jesus. You know, N.T. Wright was speaking about um, that it was claimed that the, the leaders of the, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church way back in 1917, they were having a huge, long, long debate on vestments while the Bolsheviks were ready to go and do their thing. They'd taken their eye off what was actually happening in their country because they were worried about what people were wearing in church, where they're having this huge long debate as a, as a, as a, as a denomination and missing out on the bigger picture. I need to watch what I say. But have we moved on? Are we missing the, the big point? by focusing in on a couple of things that are internal. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, whether that's true or not about the, the Russian Orthodox Church, it does serve as a, a dire warning to us that we need to make sure that our eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus and his, his commission for his church. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with getting, you know, the details in place and making sure that everything's uh, in the right place. But we need to make sure that it's not overtaken what Jesus wants for his church. And he's not meaning that we just ignore uh, wrongdoing. He's not saying that we just let things happen because uh, that's not what he's talking about at all. But we shouldn't ever be so concerned with other people's sins that we fail to see the sins in our own life. You know, it leaves us that question to, to ponder. You know, what kind of specks in other people's eyes are we quick to, to point out on? We're all guilty of it. Where we all kind of look to criticize someone for something they do or say. What are those things that are the easiest for us to criticize and why? It's maybe something that we need to speak to Jesus about. You know, if we were to think about our own log in our eye a bit more, we might be less critical of people. But the thing is, Jesus is also highlighting that we should never ever be afraid of the word hypocrite or being accused of being a hypocrite. That it, it keeps us still in our Christian life. That the, the world will be looking for us to fail. And we shouldn't allow that, that to concern us too much, that we don't actually do the things that he's calling us to. You know, when a person is, is trying to do the right thing, when someone is trying their hardest to follow Jesus and they fail, because we all do, that doesn't make them a hypocrite. They are trying their hardest. Neither are those who are struggling to fulfill their duty. 
It might be something that they've been called to, and it'll be hard. And it's okay to struggle with it, because life is hard. It's not hypocrisy to be weak in your faith at times. As long as you are aware of where to go to replenish that that weakness. Jesus is highlighting that a hypocrite is a person who puts on religious behavior and says things to gain attention or approval in the, the eyes of the world under the guise of saying, Lord, Lord, but not following what Jesus is asking of them. And the Pharisees were incredibly prone to doing this. The big long-winded prayers, the big long-winded things that they had to do in very public ways so that people could see just how pious they were. And Jesus is saying, that's what makes them a hypocrite because they're not listening to the God they proclaim they follow. And he continues on this theme as we come to the reading that, that Morag read out in verses 43 to 45, where Jesus is speaking of a tree and its fruit. You know, the illustration reminds us that the, the fruit that comes from these trees is, is the same as, as our character, that you know, an apple tree will produce apples and an orange tree will produce oranges. And Jesus is saying, you know, a, a good person, fundamentally a good person will produce good fruit that the world will see. Equally, those who are, are evil and, and do wrong things, that's what will be shown out in their actions. You know, followers of Jesus do sin. That's why we need a saviour. We should be under no illusions on that. But the witness to the world through our, our work, our, our, our language, the way that we, we speak and interact with people, well, the fruit that we display to the world should be showing that we are followers of Jesus. Even although we fall. You know, Jesus warns us in um, Matthew 7 that we would be known by our fruit. That the world would see Jesus in the way that we interact with them. You know, Jesus is always interested in our hearts and, and where they're at. He teaches that what comes out of the lips will reveal what is inside that heart. You know, the human heart is like a it's like a tre- treasury. You know, we we start to store up these things and it's what we display out into the world. You know, when we, when we display that out to the world and then whatever we say or, or the things that we do, that shows the world our underlying uh, beliefs and attitudes and our, our motivations, sometimes our prejudices. You know, the good impressions that we, we try to create in the world will eventually fall away. You know, they kind of talk about having a mask. You know, the mask will eventually fall because it's not your true self. And Jesus is saying we need to make sure that the things that are in our hearts are, are the pure good things, that we might be able to display that out into the world. And we need to be honest with ourselves and understand that we will have uh, blind spots. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit to, 
to show those to us that we might not be led astray. We allow Jesus to minister to us. And you know, the thing is, Jesus' little sermon ends with um, that very kind of stern warning that, that we need to ensure that he is the bedrock um, of our faith and our life. You know, it's that, as I said earlier, it's that song that we probably, if we grew up in the church and we were children in the church, we probably sang uh, at Sunday school or at holiday club um, about the wise man building his house on the rock. I'm not going to sing it for you. But in verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? He said, you know, I'm, am I really your Lord if, if, if you don't do what the things that I'm asking you to do? And then he goes on to tell this story. You know, in the weekly email, uh, I highlighted that I'd been asked this week uh, what my favorite Bible verse was. And uh, I, I was struck. I thought, uh, um, you, know, you would think that a minister would know straight away. But it wasn't that I didn't know any Bible verses, just to kind of make sure that that's, the, that's okay. It was choosing which one. So I chose one that, that, that I've, I've lived by and it's been there for, for, for a long, long time. And it's in Colossians 2.6. It's when Paul says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And that's my kind of motto. In the very next verse, I was only allowed one verse. I would have chosen both of them. I would have chosen verse 7 as well. Because it says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So here it is all together. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Jesus finishes his batch of teaching that we've looked at over the last three weeks um, in this one interaction with the crowd, where he's emphasizing this need for us to be obedient to his ways and his teaching. It's not nearly enough to just hear his word. We need to act upon it too. We need to take it to heart and actually go out and display it out into the world. You know, we've all been given free will, which means that we get to build our life. We get to build our lives. And we need to make a decision in terms of what that's going to look like. We need to decide how we're going to build our lives. You know, Jesus contemporaries of the crowd were probably looking at the, um, the building of the temple that, that, that Herod had been uh, you know, a huge building project as he's looking to rebuild the, the temple and they're probably looking at that and thinking okay so that's what Jesus is talking about and Jesus would make clear later on that, that the temple would fall um, but that's not what he's getting at here the message that he's trying to get across is that it applies to us all that our, the buildings are our lives and we get the opportunity to build them in whatever way we choose. You know, if we obey God and his teachings, we, we have that foundation, that firm foundation in our life, then it will stand firm when 
Storms come because they inevitably will come. No one is immune from the storms of life. But when the storm does come, our foundations are strong and they, they, we won't be pushed away to the side. We'll be able to stand firm because we know that Jesus is with us. If our life is rooted and built on that solid foundation of knowing and trusting in him, then we're going to be given a chance. But we are given that choice. We can cut corners, look to um, get to the destination quicker, and let's not kid ourselves on here. We, we do like to have control. We like to be in control of things. So much easier if we could just control everything. I'd never have to encounter a storm ever again. How amazing would that be? But that's not how it works. Jesus reminds us we need to build upon that rock. We might start to ask ourselves, why would people choose to, to, to build a, a house or a life um, without any foundations? Why would they do it? But... The short answer is that some people do it without even knowing they're doing it in a spiritual sense. Perhaps it's to, to save time. It may well be to save time. Avoid the, the hard work of preparing and, and getting everything in place. Spending time reading the, the, the Bible and getting to know Jesus and more of God through that. Spending time in prayer. Spending time with, with other Christians and being built up by them all takes time hard work it might be that the, the pool of our friends or to just be like our friends that might be too strong and it might pull us away we don't have time to build those foundations our friends may well have settled to be having their house on the sand without any foundation maybe it's because they haven't heard of the the violent storms that are coming in their life. I think everything's going to be okay. They might not have heard of the need for Jesus in their life. It might be that for some people, including one of my, my dearest friends who seems to think that he's immortal and that nothing will ever touch him. And I keep waiting for him to realize that that's not the case. But whatever the reason is, Jesus is telling us that those with no foundation are incredibly short-sighted. They will encounter a storm and they will not be able to withstand it. You know, our lives, our house might look like it's being incredibly well built, but without a foundation it will fall. And when Jesus speaks of the storm, he's not talking about the, the last judgment. He is talking about the things that happen to us um, on a daily basis through health, the health of loved ones, various other things. But so many people don't place Jesus as their foundation. And we see them fall. It's incredibly important that we are rooted in our faith that it is built upon Jesus, that our fruits will be good and out on display to the world. You know, we clearly all have 
our faults and failures. I don't think that I'm overstepping there. I'm not projecting that. I think we are all aware that, that we have our faults and our failures. But with Jesus in our life right at the very foundation, we can get better and we can withstand any storm that comes our way. Because that's a, a, a promise and a blessing that Jesus offers us. We can experience a, a heavenly happiness, a deep-rooted peace that comes. A true blessedness, for want of a better word, that only comes from Him. So next time we say, Lord, Lord, let's do more than just pay lip service to it. When we say, Lord, Lord, let us actually mean it and to take on his teaching and to display it out into the world by doing everything that he asks of us. And let's have a life with good foundations. So shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are sorry for those times that we fail to have you at the, the, the deep foundation of our life, where we think we can do things in our own strength. We pray that you would help us by your Spirit to, to be less critical of other people, that we fail to see our own faults. We thank you that you have called us. We thank you that you want to be part of our life, not just a peripheral part of our life, but to be at the very, very center of it. Lord, help us as individuals and indeed as a church that we would take your teaching and not just create head knowledge, but that our hearts would be changed. that we wouldn't get bogged down with internal stuff, that we fail to go and do the thing that you've called us to do, which is to go and share you with other people, to bring people to you, that they too may well have lives that are built upon that rock. Lord, would you help us? Help us to do the things that you call us to do and strengthen that good foundation that you've built that whatever comes our way we'll be able to stand firm in our faith because we know that you are with us. And Lord Jesus, we offer this prayer in your precious and mighty name. Amen.